oh, don't worry about it. Let's just move on. Let's not talk about it. Let's not deal with it. I'm ready to just go. Let's just move on. Right? Well, when we do that, what Jesus did also becomes something that we can sort of just move on from. But an understanding of repentance will help us get to a place where the news of this book, where the news of the Bible becomes the most energizing and the greatest news that you could possibly experience. And so repentance, what do I mean? Simply, repentance means turning the direction of your life toward Jesus. Okay? When Jesus came, he said, repent and believe in the gospel. He's saying, look, you all are living in different directions. You're aiming at different things. Some of you are aiming at money, and you want to get all the money you possibly can. Some of you are aiming at relationships, and for you, you need to be in relationships in order for you to be happy. Right? Some of you are aiming for a career. You want to achieve certain things in order for you to feel good about yourself. And so all your eggs are in the basket of your career or your work or your achievements. Some of you are living in the direction of your children where your happiness is completely based on how well they are doing. Okay, for other, I mean, there's just, it's countless. Some people actually, they look to religion and to acts of religiosity to be the thing that they live for so that they can feel right about themselves. And Jesus says, look, all of you, all of you turn. You're all going scattered in all kinds of directions. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, listen, you all need to follow me. You need to follow the direction that I am walking. I have come and you need to follow me. And so repentance means turning from whatever you're chasing now and following Jesus. And so repentance is so much bigger than, isn't it, than just confessing your sins. I mean, it does include that. It certainly includes it because when we sin, we're not moving in the direction of God, right? God says, um, to love your neighbor as yourself. God says to be understanding and compassionate and kind to others, right? And so if you're not compassionate and kind, you're moving away from God. You're moving in a different direction. And Jesus says, come, come back, right? I want you to turn from that way of living and follow me. But it's so much more than that. And that's what I want you to see as we look at, um, at what repentance is. There's really three steps to repentance. There's the what weed you see that, that, that first circle there? Um, our sin, this is the visible sin, the stuff that you can see, right? The sins that we commit, the stuff that can be seen. So this can be the harsh word, right? The way that we talk sometimes is sinful. Um, the things that we do, right? These are things that, the, the, the what, this is what we've done. Um, we need to confess those things. And we want to, I mean, it's the weed, right? It's the stuff that's above the surface. You can see it. You can feel it. You have experienced it from other people. You've done it to other people. So these are, again, these are actions, words, um, expressions to people uh, that are not following God. This is visible sin, all right? That's the first level of what repentance is. It's acknowledging that, oh, I did something. I said something that was out of line with God. But real repentance looks deeper than that. Real repentance goes deeper, and it looks at not just the what weed, but it also looks at the why root. It's important for us to understand not just the visible sin, what we did, but the invisible sin underneath what we did. What do I mean by this? Well, uh, this is, like, why did you do this? Like, why did you lash out at your coworker? 
Um, why did you gossip about this person behind their back? Um, why did you make this person pay for what they've done? And the answers to those questions can help us understand more of the root issue. You don't have to do this with every single sin, but when sins reoccur in your life, that is God telling you you need to go deeper. Okay? If you struggle with lust, if you struggle with looking at pornography on the internet, and it's not just an infrequent occurrence, but it's something, that is, it's something that's happening constantly where you feel enslaved, um, you need to ask yourself, why? Like, what's going on in my life? Okay, I know I'm looking at things I shouldn't look at. I know I'm acting on what I'm looking at in ways that aren't God's best for me. The question for me, though, is why? What am I aiming for? What is this need really? Like, what is, what is the need in my heart that's not being met that's causing me to consistently go after this? And when it comes to pornography, it could be just rampant lust that's out of control. It could be that you actually aren't just doing something, but you're enslaved to something. Like, the reason I'm doing this is because I have no power against it. Because no matter what I think or how I feel, there are moments where I'm just going to give in to this and I have no power over it. And if the answer, if the why question is because I'm enslaved to it, then you've got a deeper problem. You've got a deeper problem and you've got to get help. Because if you're enslaved, you can't break the chains on your own. You need to get help. You need to find someone else who can enter into those chains with you to help break them with you. You can get accountability. Sometimes you need counseling, either from an elder, from a pastor, um, or for, I mean, professional counseling. Sometimes, so sometimes it can be lust that's run rampant. For some people, there's actually, like, underneath the pursuit of pornography is uh, just a need to be in control of something. Um, there are people that pursue pornography because nothing else in their life is going the way they want it to go. But when it comes to porn, they get it exactly the way they want it. And they are in complete control. And so there are different whys. And again, if that's the issue, then just confessing, God, I'm sorry I looked at porn. God, I'm sorry I looked at porn. God, I'm sorry I looked at porn is not enough. Just dealing with the what is not enough. You've got to get to the why. God, my life is out of control. God, I'm angry and frustrated, and I think I deserve to have something in my life that I can control. That's a very different issue, isn't it? All of a sudden, you're in a different space, and there are different truths of the scriptures or different truths of the gospel that can come and help you, that can meet you in that place. Um, and so we want to get to the why. Um, I mean, when you think about, like, anger, angry outbursts in relationships, whether they're with your spouse, if you're in a dating relationship, with your kids, people at work, if you get angry, right, and it's, you know, not appropriate anger, right, there are times where it's okay to be angry, but even then you can't sin in your anger, um, but if if you are dealing with angry outbursts where you're yelling or you're screaming or you're just being mean and you're cutting people down, you want to ask yourself the question, why? Like, why am I doing this? Like, what is going on? And you really need to search your heart. You need to pray, God, will you show me why I do this? 
Will you show me like what is it that I'm chasing after um, that I think getting angry is going to make is going to fix? And when it comes to anger, um, gosh, like for me, I've realized that um, there are times when I've gotten angry with my kids because I think I'm defending my wife. And so I'm getting angry at them because they're not listening to her. And the, the problem is that when I get angry with my kids, I'm actually not defending my wife anymore. And I'm actually, like, Lainey's as frustrated with me now as, <laughs> as she was frustrated with the kids, you know? And so I'm trying to help. <laughs> um, but actually what I'm trying to do is, I mean, again, for me, it was, it's control, Right, where I need to be in control. I want them to act in ways, I want them to act and give me obedience the first time from a happy heart. And getting angry actually isn't the way to make that happen. Um, <laughs> took me a while to realize that. Um, but for me, it wasn't just me going to God and going to my kids and apologizing. Hey, I'm sorry for the way I spoke to you. I'm sorry that I got angry. I'm sorry that I yelled. Or I'm sorry that I treated you this way. Will you forgive me? I mean, after five, six, seven D times, um, you got to ask yourself, wait a second, there's something else going on in here. Um, I want to be in control. I don't want to have a, a house that's out of control. I want my kids to be a certain way, and I'm fighting for that. And that's a problem, because God's the one in control. God's the one who loves and is patient with me, and if he's patient with me even when I sin... Like, that patience needs to come through to my kids, and that's not coming through. And so, again, it changes the way that you pray and that you think about. And so, again, you want to go from the what weed to the why root, from the visible sin to the invisible sin. And then you want to be honest about the damage, okay, the damage that's done by the effects of our sin, that's that third step. So the what, the why, and then the damage that's done. And this is where you've got to be honest. You've got to confess as part of your confession, as part of your turning away. You want to assess what you're actually leaving. Um, when we don't do this, again, we can sort of overlook the degree and the severity of our sin. Um, we need to realize, gosh, you know what? This damages my relationship with God. When I sin this way, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm leaving him. I'm turning away from him. When I sin this way, I'm damaging my relationships. I'm damaging the people around me. I'm hurting them. I am mistreating them. I'm actually shutting down communication. Right? I'm causing them to feel like I'm not safe for them to come to me. Right? I realize that I'm actually showing them that this is what happens when you sin, like this is the, what you're going to get from me. Um, and you want to assess the damage. When I do this, now I'm enslaved to this, and I can't not respond this way. It's becoming easier and easier and easier for me. I'm now a slave of this. And when we actually assess the damage, I think what happens is it can light a fire under us. It can make us realize, like, this is not... Man, we're not just screwing around here. Like, this is a big deal. And so, <clears throat> and so if you look on the back, just turn this over real quick. In the box that says confession, in that upper right box, when you read the Bible on any page, um, confession, the practice of confession, leads us deeper into the what, the why, and the damage of sin. And so you want to ask yourself, when you read the Bible, 
How have you sinned in thought, word, and action? Different passages will bring to mind different kinds of sins. And when sins come up, you want to ask yourself, how have I sinned? And what I've done, what I've thought, what I've said. And then ask yourself, that's sort of the what question. And then the why question, why was this sin attractive? Okay, why did you want this more than God when you did it? That gets at the why question. And then how does this sin hurt God, others, and even the world? Like, how does this hurt the community that I'm a part of? That'll help you to go deeper in your confession and to help you realize, again, like, what we're doing is not just breaking arbitrary laws, but we're actually vandalizing God's creation. We're vandalizing God's world, and we're destroying people and relationships. Um, Now, I know that a lot of people struggle to go here. There are times where a lot of people, even a lot of my non-Christian friends, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you might be like, you might say what a lot of my non-Christian friends have said, that's kind of, why are you guys so big on, like, sin? (laughs) I don't like to talk about this. Um, but you seem to have this sort of like joy. It's kind of weird to me. There's like this part of you that seems to like talking about how bad you are. And why are you like that? And I'm, I usually say, well, it's because it actually helps me to understand, number one, reality. Um, I would just rather be honest about who I really am than try to cover it up because then at least work can be done. Uh, but then two, it helps me to understand just how gracious and loving God is. Um, most people become willing to go here um, when they understand the salvation that's accomplished by Jesus. And so again, the center triangle there on the front of this, man, it's Jesus' salvation that makes us willing to be honest to this degree, right? That Jesus came and in his life, he never sinned and always overcame temptation. In his death, he atoned for our sin and broke its enslaving power over us. And in his resurrection, he assures us that he is Savior and Lord, and he gives us eternal life. I mean, this is why he came. He came so that no matter who we are or what we're like or what we have done or what we are currently doing, he came for us so that we could know forgiveness, so that we could turn the direction of our life back to him. That's why he came. And so, so his accomplishment is a call to us, not just to repent, not just to turn the direction of our life toward him, but it's a call to faith. Okay, the good news and, and the way the Bible works, the gospel is calling us to faith. It's calling us to believe in Jesus. Because when we believe that he lived the life we should have lived, and he died the death that we should have died. When we believe that he rose again from the dead, then what he did gets applied to us. What he did begins to invade our own hearts and lives, and stuff happens. Stuff happens, and we move, we start moving up the, it's sort of down the slope of repentance, and we move up the slope of faith. Because when we believe in Jesus, we begin to experience his salvation. Um, And so, what does that mean? Well, it starts with new life. And this is Christ for us. See there, I mean, this is Jesus, the perfect tree. We looked at last week. He's the perfect tree. He does for us what we cannot do ourselves. 
okay? We cannot live a perfect life that pleases God. We also cannot atone for our sins. We can't make ourselves right with God, but Jesus has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And so it's not just understanding that Jesus lived, died, and rose again, but it's looking at his life, death, and resurrection as something he did for me and for you. When you see that, I mean, this is 1 Peter 2, right? If you look into your bulletin, it says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. By his wounds, you have been healed. And so when we believe in Jesus, we are forgiven. We are accepted. We are adopted. And this is his work for us. This is Jesus' work for us. begins there where the perfect life of Jesus becomes what God sees when he looks at us. The death of Jesus is what God sees when he sees our sin. But it doesn't stop there. Because Jesus doesn't just do something for us. It goes a step farther and we see Jesus then in us. We see Jesus in us and so, and this causes us to actually bear fruit. Okay, so um, let me show you this. Um, In Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, let's go to the next slide. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So Jesus doesn't just cover us with himself, but he actually fills us with his Spirit. As Chad led us earlier as we were singing, he pours his spirit out. And when that spirit comes upon us, it produces fruit. And this is the fruit. That Jesus' work in us makes us new inside. His perfect life isn't just out there and counts for us, but his perfect life comes into us. We get his heart in exchange for our heart. We get his mind in exchange for our mind. And so we are united to Jesus by his spirit. We are filled with his spirit. And so we have his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness. I mean, all of it. It's Jesus's fruitfulness that fills our lives. And that's what changes us. What changes us is not our hard work, but it's Jesus's life in us. And then that experience of Christ in us, we begin to share. And so the third step is that we share this renewal, and that's Christ through us. Um, In a glorious picture of what this looks like in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 47 talks about um, what's going to happen when God finally gives his spirit to his people, when the Messiah finally comes and rescues his people from their sin. Ezekiel 47 talks about what it looks like. It says this, it's, it's a metaphor, it's a vision, it's a prophetic image of, um, of this river that flows from the presence of God. And it says, on the banks of this river and on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. And those trees are you and me. It's people who believe in Jesus that become these trees. It says, their leaves will not wither nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. 
And so what this means is that we become people who bear, and that fruit that we bear actually becomes tasty and becomes a gift to the people around us. Your fruitfulness, your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your all of those things become fruit that enable other people to taste and see that God is good. You become a taste of Jesus to others. And that happens here in the church, right? As you have friendships and you encourage other people, it happens outside the church, in your workplace, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, where you are simply showing people what it's like, what Jesus is like. You are displaying for them who Jesus is. And so this is, like, this is faith. We believe in Jesus for us. We believe in Jesus in us. We believe in Christ through us. And when we believe these things, our lives begin to be transformed. Our lives begin to be transformed. People here in this church family um, have said, I never understood the gospel in this kind of depth. I've never understood this energizing news of Jesus until I came here, until I began to experience um, the gospel here in this church. Um, And some people have gotten it through the preaching. Some people have gotten it through the weekly observance of communion. Some people have gotten it through the relationships with people in life groups and in community here where the gospel is becoming bigger and richer and deeper and fuller. This is energizing news. And the key for us, the key for all of us, the growth point for every one of us, where all of us need to stretch, is we want to get to a place where we're not just energized by this when we're hearing about it preached on Sundays, but you want to get to the place where you can preach this energizing news of the gospel to yourself where you can remind yourself and rehearse this good news every time you read the Bible. Every time you read the Bible. Well, so how do you do that? I want to tell you. I mean, really, it's, again, turn to the back and look. It's the Thanksgiving and the supplication boxes here. Um, When you read, after you've done this deeper confession, then go to this deeper Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving is about more deeply appreciating all that Jesus has done. So ask yourself, how did Jesus live perfectly where you have sinned? That's power. Like the specific ways that Jesus lived perfectly where you haven't. It's where you derive power. And then how does the cross bring forgiveness and freedom? That's redemption. That's freedom from slavery. And then supplication is deeper for renewal by Jesus in you and through you. So what fruit should come from your new heart and life? If Jesus has given you a new heart, what does that new heart look like? And then how do you want God to help you live differently and care for others? Again, that's Christ in you and Christ through you. And so you want to ask yourself these questions everywhere you read the Bible. And if you try this and it doesn't come jumping off the page at you, then do this with someone else. Okay, do this with a friend, a spouse, with someone else in your life group. Do this with someone. Um, Because I can guarantee you that if you have trouble doing this on your own, it'll get easier if you do it with someone else. Um, We do this consistently in our life group together so that we can hear each other do it. 
and we're getting better at it as we do it together. Um, and then <clears throat> I know it can be difficult depending on what you're reading. And so below the boxes today, I want to just give you some hints on how you can apply this good news no matter what kind of passage you're reading in the Bible. Okay? And so let's just look at this. So when you read the commands of Scripture, when you read the laws or the regulations of Scripture, the way to get to the gospel, the good news, is to see, number one, your sin. See your sin and confess it. If the law says this and you don't do it, confess that. And then see Jesus for you, that he lived for you, and then see yourself with Jesus in you and through you. Okay, when you read history, see people in history who are pictures of Jesus, who are pictures of sinners who are fallen, and then pictures who have, of sinners who are renewed. There's more history. There's more things you can see in history. Um, when you're reading the history parts of the Bible, like see God including people in his family love and see pictures of Jesus' salvation. If you're reading about judgment, right, passages of judgment, we're reading that in the Old Testament with City Bible Reading. When you read about judgment, see in those passages what our sins deserve and what Jesus experienced on the cross so that you would not have to experience what you deserve. If you're reading genealogies, right, what do you do with those? Well, see that God often works through families. And then see this, that God knows you by name. If you're reading laments, people that are just in anguish and are frustrated or angry with God, see your sin and the world's brokenness. Like, the, yeah, this world, there's a lot to lament about in this world. But then see Jesus lamenting with you that he cares and his heart is also broken by what you suffer. And then see Jesus dying for sin. He died for the brokenness of the world so that there's hope through the brokenness. And then when you're reading poetry, and poetry's all over the Bible, when you read poetry, see God using the arts to communicate that salvation grips us emotionally. The Bible is not just an intellectual book. It's not just a lecture, right? But it's poetry, it's imagery, it's metaphor, it's song. And these are things that are designed to grip us, body and soul, heart and mind. And so when you see these things, realize that God wants to reach into every aspect of your life and help you experience his renewal. And so this week, this week I'm going to point you to Matthew in City Bible Reading. It's Matthew 17 through 21. Those are the chapters that we're going to be reading this week. Read those chapters with this in mind and what you see then or what you read then see these things and pray through them as you confess your sins and thank thank and, and be thankful to God for the salvation that Jesus has brought to us um, man for us this whole series has been designed to help you to see the, what the Bible's about 
to help you see how the Bible is applied. And I hope that with this energizing news of the gospel, be able to see it on every page, like what this does, again, is this helps you to hear the soundtrack of the gospel on every page. Because if you can see it on every page of the Bible, you'll be able to begin to see it in every area of your life. What would happen if you were energized by this news every day? I mean, what would happen to your heart? What would happen to your reactions to other people? How would your activities and your actions change if this music was playing in the background of your life, coming to the forefront periodically to remind you of how much God loves you, to remind you of what Jesus has saved you from? I think that if our church were filled with this music and a significant part of San Diego would change, people would see something and be drawn to it. And so let's practice this week. Let's practice getting to this gospel. And again, if you struggle with it, grab someone else in the church and do it with them. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for being the climax of the Bible. Thank you that your salvation is what brings us hope and new life. Jesus, we confess that we think about the Bible so differently from this, and we pray that this week you would meet us. Meet us as we read. Help us to get to that place where we are seeing the good news and we're energized by it. Change and transform us this week And help us as we do it together so that we can encourage each other to walk in this. We pray this in your name. Amen.